now, how many of you are excited to be here today? Awesome. I see a lot of hands. Wow. Brother Eddie raised both hands. He's so excited. <laughs> Those of you at home as well, it's really good to, uh, to have you connect with us. And, uh, you know, we look forward to seeing you in person, right, uh, in the coming weeks as, uh, as, as we get together. I just feel that the Lord is doing something new this season, amen? Yeah? The Lord is doing something new this season, even as we have been focusing on this theme on, on fresh this month of January, right? Uh, today, our topic is going to be on fresh wind, okay? Fresh wind. Now, there, there are a lot of correlations to, uh, to these these topics that we are speaking about. And at the end of the day, it's all about what God wants to do in us and through us, church, okay? What God wants to do in us and through us this season. And as Pastor Stephen mentioned, uh, this season we are going to, to be coming back and focusing on the, uh, the theme of the kingdom, okay? The theme of the kingdom, right, throughout this year. And so we are going to go back to basics, right? Basics. So for some of you, some of the messages that we share may seem like, you know, uh, things you already know. But these are things which are vital for us as believers to revisit from time to time because as we do that, the Holy Spirit is going to give us fresh insight. Amen? It's going to give us fresh insight, fresh perspectives. Uh, you know, it's going to take us back to the things which really matter. Okay? So that, that's my prayer this morning, that we, we start focusing on things which really matter and we uh, are able to, uh, able to hear God speak to us, okay? Now, okay, so speaking about wind, how many of you like, like windy days? You know, I like windy days. Uh, I think not many, uh, not many people like windy days. Ah, okay, Joe said not if, you are, not if you were to play badminton, right? Uh, I mean, for me, I like a gentle, caressing wind. I don't know about you, <laughs> okay? I don't know about you, but I like a gentle, caressing wind. You just sit there. Uh, you know, I'm just dreaming of Cameron Highlands now, you know? You just <laughs> sit there in the cool, and then you have the gentle breeze come, and then you just feel so nice and so relaxed in the presence of God, right? I don't think, I don't think many of us like a strong, gusty wind, do you? Do you like a strong, gusty wind? No? Yeah? Some of you, some of you, not sure. I see, I see, uh, I, I see some of you shaking your head like that, pondering on the question. Now, I remember since Joe brought up badminton, I remember uh, when I was young, we, we used to stay in Klang Jaya. You know the shop houses where the, the old church used to be, right? And we used to to put a net across the two shop, uh, the side lane. Uh, we, we tied the net across the across the. Uh, the window, the window panes of, of both shop lots, and we used to play badminton there. And, uh, and we, we used to uh, always, always hope that there wasn't a very strong wind, correct or not? Because when you play badminton, when you play badminton, when you have a very strong breeze, it becomes very difficult to play, okay? But of course, sometimes you enjoy, lah, because if, you, if the, wind, the wind is for you, right, then, you know, all your smashes will just destroy your opponents and then, and then you feel happy for a while, right? Okay? Uh, or, or how many of you like flying kites? Uh, you see, all the older generations, huh? the younger generations, uh, yeah, they don't know what's a kite. Huh? They, only, they only saw it on the internet, right? 
All the young people, have you all flown kites before? I'm sure you have, right? <laughs> I'm sure you have, okay? Uh, and you know that wind is absolutely necessary, right? Okay? You, you need to learn how to flow with the wind. You agree with me? Okay? So you need to, to, to be able to sense when the wind is picking up, what direction the, uh, the, you know, the, the wind is, is moving, right? And, and then, we, we, then we flow with the wind. Because if you, if you don't learn to flow with the wind, right, you're going to be going against the wind and you, your kite is not going to fly. Okay? Your kite is not going to be able to fly properly. And same uh, when it comes to sailing a boat. Now, I'm not a sailor, but perhaps some of you have seen, uh, you know, I like to watch the Olympics, right? Sailing in the Olympics. And, and you can see that it, you really need very precise skills to be able to navigate the boat and, and to, to harness the wind direction and, 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 and you know, the, uh, the tempo of the wind so that you can maximize the speed that, that you go, right? So today, as we think about the wind, I want you to remember that the wind, the, the wind as we read in the Bible, it represents the Holy Spirit, okay? Even just as much as water, when the Bible speaks about living waters coming through us, it represents God, the Holy Spirit, okay? So this morning, we want to, to focus on, uh, on, on fresh wind, fresh wind. And as I was thinking about this, I was thinking about some of the characteristics of wind or the Holy Spirit. How do we draw a parallel to it, right? Number one, wind is invisible, correct? Am I right? Wind is invisible. So in the same way that you and I, we, we can't see the wind, we are unable to see the Holy Spirit. You agree with me? How many of you have seen the Holy Spirit? I know we, we, the Holy Spirit to us, sometimes we represent the Holy Spirit uh, by having a symbol of a dove, right? Okay? But none of us have actually seen the Holy Spirit. Can you agree with me? Right? No, you all don't agree. You have always seen the Holy Spirit. <laughs> all very quiet. Okay? Wow, all of you are super <laughs> spiritual on another level. You're able to see the Holy Spirit. No, right? We, we, so the Holy Spirit is invisible, okay? But at the same time, while the Holy Spirit can't be seen, uh, but the Holy Spirit can be felt and heard, right? If you learn to walk with the Holy Spirit, if you learn to flow with the Holy Spirit, if you learn to, you know, uh, recognize the voice of the Holy Spirit, right? Even though you can't see the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is with us at all times. Amen? Okay. And the Holy Spirit can be felt, His presence can be felt, even right now. Even right now, even as we were worshipping, I feel His tangible presence. My, hand, my hands now feel the presence of God, the electricity. Because when you spend time with God, you, you're able to feel the, the, the tangible presence of, of God, okay? And, um, and he, he can be heard because one, one of the things that the Holy Spirit wants to do is to speak to us, church, Right? So the Holy Spirit wants to have this intimate relationship with us to, to be able to communicate with us, to commune with us. Another characteristic of the Holy Spirit is that the Holy Spirit, uh, just like wind, wind is unexplainable and independent, right? You don't know where the wind comes from. You don't know where the wind is going to go, right? Uh, it's highly variable. Suddenly, it's a slow breeze, and then suddenly, it, you know, it picks up tempo. So th just like that, the Holy Spirit... Uh, the, or the work on the moving of the Holy Spirit cannot be fully explained, okay? So you and I, we can't, just as we can't make the wind go where we want to go, 
right? We can't, we can't control the Holy Spirit and say that, you know, we want you to go this way, right? And lastly, just as wind can be very powerful, the Holy Spirit it represents the power of God, right? The power of God in our lives. So, so this season, as we have just started with that introduction, this season, God is speaking to His church, asking us to come into alignment with Him, right? And so we must recognize that um, there are different seasons and times, and in different seasons and times, God speaks to us in different ways. He has different things that He wants us to focus on, right? And, um, and so I want us to take a look at this passage, right, from John chapter 3, John chapter 3, verses 7 to 8. And this is what the Bible says. And Jesus himself said this. Jesus was speaking to Nicodemus and he said this. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. And so it is with everyone born of the Spirit, born of the Spirit, right? So the wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound. We spoke about this earlier. But you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. And so it is with everyone born of the Spirit, right? And then in Romans 8, 14, the Bible tells us, for those who are led by the Spirit are the children of God. Those who are led by the Spirit are the children of God. Now, I'm going to ask you all a question. If you say that you are born again and if you are a child of God today, can you raise your hand? How many of you say that you are born again and that you are a child of God? Raise your hands. Not everyone is raising their hands. So, some of you have doubts, is it? So, um, what we want to, what we want to, uh, to look at today church is this, right? There are going to be five points that I want us to consider, right? As we, uh, as we consider this theme, fresh wind. Uh, and the first thing is this, the first thing is this. God is asking us to tune our ears to what He wants us to hear this season, right? If you have read the book of Revelation, Jesus Himself in the book of Revelation, through John, who, who, who wrote the book of Revelation, Jesus addressed the seven churches. Do you all remember that? Do you all remember that? Yeah? Let's have a quiz. Shall we have a quiz? Do you all remember what are the seven churches? Okay, no, we won't have a quiz this morning, okay? But, but what did Jesus say at the end of each of the, uh, of, uh, of, of his address to each church? What, what, what did he say? What did he say? Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches, correct? Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches, right? And Jesus said it seven times to seven churches because that's how important it is for us to be able to recognize the times and seasons and know what God is saying to us, right? And, 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 and what we need to focus on. Okay, so just now we, we read about being born again, right? Being born again, and, and Jesus said that, um, you know, the, the wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. And so it is with everyone born of the Spirit. And then Jesus said in Romans, uh, then Paul said in Romans 8, 
14, for those who are led by the Spirit are the children of God. Okay? So point number one is this. The Holy Spirit wants us uh, or wants to help us affirm our identity in Christ. Can you, can, you, can you say it with me? The Holy Spirit wants to help us affirm our identity in Christ. This is crucial. We are going back to basics. Remember I said this is crucial, okay? Uh, in Romans 8, 14 to 17, it says this, For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. We read that just now. Then it, then it goes on to say, The Spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship, okay? Your adoption to sonship. And by Him, by Him meaning what? By the Holy Spirit, right? We are able to cry, Abba, Father, right? The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, this is the key part of the verse, right? The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. And now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in His sufferings in order that we may also share in His glory. I'm going to share with you about my own, my own story, right? Now, I've been a Christian for 30 years. Some of you know my story, uh, almost 30 years now. And in, in, my, in, the, in my early days of my walk, right, I, I was living a defeated Christian life. Okay, perhaps some of you can relate. I was, I was living a defeated Christian life. I just felt like a hypocrite. I was just going in circles, and I just kept on hitting the wall and, and reached a point where I just said, enough is enough. I just don't think this is for me, right? And uh, I'm really thankful for Pastor Stephen who journeyed with me and, you know, helped me come out of, of this. And one of the things that, that uh, Pastor Stephen helped me understand and embrace is my identity in Christ, right? It's my identity in Christ, and as I started to really, really uh, be able to recognize the fact that God loves me with an everlasting love and, and what Jesus has done for me and the fact that truly I am saved and redeemed to become a child of God, right? And how precious I am to Him and start to recognize what it means to be a child of God, everything started to change, right? Everything started to change. And so church, this morning... The Holy Spirit, as we read, wants you and I to come to a point where we recognize our identity in Christ. Now, please bear with me. I want you to know this. Uh, the sequence that we are going through in today's message is very important, okay? For some of us, we tend to skip some of these things and then uh, we get stuck in a rut and we wonder why we're not bearing fruit for the kingdom of God, right? I want you to know this. If you have not come to a point where you are able to appreciate and understand fully and embrace your identity in Christ, you will not be able to move on to the next step where you have victory over sin, where you, 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 know, you, you have breakthroughs in the life you're looking for, where you start to bear fruit for the kingdom of God. Are you with me? Are you with me? And so it's essential, it's crucial that you recognize this, right? Just as much as I had to go through that process of understanding this, I want you to, uh, to pay attention on this, right? So to be led by the Holy Spirit, we first need to embrace our identity, right? Just, just, uh, just try and picture this. Uh, 
Children who have not fully embraced their identity as a child who is loved by their parents, okay? Let's say, right now, a child is in a broken home, right? Comes from a broken home, doesn't understand parents' love, right? Uh, has not experienced the, the love of the parent, right? And uh, they're not able to relate with the parent. That child will not be able to fully surrender, right? To... Uh, into the care of their parents because they don't trust their parents, they don't have this relationship with their parents, they don't understand what this loving relationship means, right? So that, there, will always be, there will always be a gap between the child and the parent, correct? And so this is very crucial, right? If you have not fully understood the love of God and your identity, then you will not be able to trust God. You will not be able to surrender to God. You will not be able to, uh, you know, allow God to come in and, and speak into your life and to help you in, in the areas that He wants uh, to help you with, okay? Ken? So that's point number one, right? The Holy Spirit wants to help us affirm our identity in Christ. And this morning, some of you might be sitting there and you might be able to relate. I want you to know this, that if you do need help, in this area, the pastors are here, the leaders are here, you know, we would like to speak to you, we would like to spend time with you, uh, to help you come into that, that place where you can know who you are in Christ, okay? We want to journey with you. So don't, don't feel you have to do it by yourselves, right? We are here to journey with you. Okay, let's move on to point number two. The second one is this. Once you are, you, you are able to... Uh, Affirm your identity in Christ through the leading of the Holy Spirit, right? Who helps you embrace that, who helps you, uh, who, who helps you come to that, that point. The second thing that the Holy Spirit wants to do is to help us in our process of renewal, right? Okay? Our process of renewal. Tell your neighbor that. The Holy Spirit wants to help you and I in, in the process of renewal, okay? In our process of renewal. Everyone's so quiet. <laughs> you, you don't want to, to go through this process of renewal. Renewal is painful, right? <laughs> renewal is painful. Uh, Uncle Yun Loi is telling Auntie Wundu that. Very good. <laughs> Very good, Uncle Yun Loi. Okay? <laughs> okay? Uh, the, more, the more I listen for the Holy Spirit's voice, right? As I start to build this relationship with Him, the more I listen for the Holy Spirit's voice, the more I realize that if I stay still enough to listen, if I stay still enough to listen, right, a large part of the conversation tends to be about my character and about my, the condition of my heart. You understand? If you get into that still spot with God, right, you will realize that God is most interested in your character and my character, and uh, you know our the, and the condition of our heart, right? So very often, uh, right, the the things that comes to me during my quiet time or, or, or when I spend to him would be gentle prompts, gentle nudges, telling me that hey, you know you shouldn't have done this, uh, you know. Uh, this is the condition of your heart right now. These are things that I need you to focus on. These are things that I need you to, to address in your life, right? And why is God so concerned about this? Because, church, Jesus came so that we have victory over sin. Amen? That's the whole reason why Jesus came. 
Jesus gave his life for that. And, and so that's why it is so important, right? And, and the church today has, has come to a point where uh, for many of us, we, uh, and for many, many in the Christian circle, we take sin so lightly, right? We take sin so lightly and, and you know, we, we use phrases like, no, we are only human. We are only human. Never mind, we are only human. We will, we will continue to fail, right? But that's not what the Bible says. What does the Bible tell us? In the book of 2 Peter, the Bible says that His divine power has given us everything that we need to live the godly life, to become partakers of the divine nature, so we can become overcomers, amen, right? And, and so, so this is very important. And um, so, you know, the Holy Spirit will be, will be prompting me on, on the motives of why I do ministry, for example, right? Sometimes, sometimes when you go and serve your motives might be wrong. You might think you're doing a noble thing, but you know, he'll be pointing me to my pride. He'll be pointing me to my selfishness. He'll be pointing me to my greed, right? He'll be pointing me to all the wrong motives of, of, uh, of why I do things, why I say things. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 22 to 24 tells us, and this is what uh, Paul writes, right? You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self which is being corrupted by his deceitful desires and to be made new in the, uh, in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self. And that, this part, can we read it together? Created, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. So Jesus came, my dear friends, to restore the kingdom. What does that mean? He came to restore things the way it, it was meant to be, right? To go back to the original blueprint, the original design. And, and what does this verse tell us? What is the original blueprint and design? We were created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Okay? And so, this is why it is so important that the Holy Spirit wants to help us in this renewal process, right? Um. The Holy Spirit is firm. Now, I want to share this with you, right? As I struggled with the issue of my identity, as I struggled with, uh, you know, um, issues of sin in my life, right? Just going in circles, just hitting the wall and, and saying that I'm not good enough, right? Voices of condemnation kept coming. I'm not sure how many of you can, can follow, Voices of condemnation, saying you're not good enough, you know, you, you're never going to be able to do this. And then, within me, I would say that I'm going to do this, I'm going to, I'm going to overcome, right? So everything started to become about I, I, I. I'm not sure if you can relate, right? If you can relate, you, you'll know what I, can, what I mean if you're going through this yourself, right? But God doesn't want it to be about I, 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 because the work is already done. It is already finished. There is victory by the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And that's why Romans 8, 1 tells us, there, therefore now there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Right? There is no condemnation. So the voice of the Holy Spirit will not be a voice of condemnation. Right? If you're hearing a voice of condemnation, it is not the voice of the Holy Spirit. Are you following me? But even though it's not a voice of condemnation, the voice of the Holy Spirit is a firm voice, right? Just like a parent who really loves the child, when the parent, when the parent comes to correct the child and the parent does it out of love in a firm way, 
The parent is not condemning the child, but the parent is correcting and disciplining the child out of love. Can you relate? Right? Okay? So it's not a voice of condemnation. So the Holy Spirit's voice is never a voice of condemnation, right? And church, I want you to know this. A large part of the New Testament writings, um, they, they focus on repentance and godly living. But sadly today, we hardly hear messages and sermons about this. Right? In a year, you might get a couple, but you hardly hear that, right? Messages about the, the need for repentance, about godly living, right? And, and I'm someone who, uh, who studies revival. I like revival. I read books about revival. And, and throughout the centuries, as we saw revival happening in the, in, in the churches, right? Every time revival happened, it was preceded by, by God's people coming to the altar, coming before God, kneeling before God, and coming and repenting of their sins and, and, and moving away from a lifestyle of worldliness, a lifestyle which you know, keeps them in their own selfishness and coming and telling God that they're sorry. And then we see God doing a new thing in the church, right? And this is what we want to see in, happen in High Point Life Church. Those of you at home as well. I really pray that right now as you watch, the Holy Spirit is speaking to you because God wants to do a new thing within this church, within our homes, within our families, within our lives. God wants to come and bring transformation. He wants us to be able to live victorious lives, no more, no more walking in defeat, right? But it starts with us inviting the Holy Spirit to come and help us in this renewal process. If you, read, if you read in, the, uh, in Revelation chapter 2 and uh, chapter 3, right, you see that Jesus continuously warned to hear what the Holy Spirit was saying, right? But what was the warning about to many of those churches? It was about the sin that they were in. It was about the worldliness that they were in. It was about the immorality that they were in. The compromise, that they, the, the compromised lives that, that they were living, Right? the materialism that they were so caught up with, the lukewarmness of the church. And so God wants you and I, my dear friends, my dear brothers and sisters, to get back into the place where we hate sin. Listen carefully. We need to get back into the place where we hate sin just as much as God hates sin. Right? Today we are so immune to sin. And so sin doesn't trouble us anymore. We need to get back to that point. I need to get back to that point where I hate sin just as much as God hates sin. And so sometimes I would cry out to God in my own time and I'll ask Him, God, why has my heart become so immune to sin, right? Why has my heart become so immune to the things around me that, that I, I don't have second thought about these things, right? And so we need to return to, to, to that if we want to see God really uh, working through us and starting to use us, right? And so the devil knows that as long as he can keep us in our old ways, as long as he can keep you and I in our old ways, and our minds remain unrenewed, we can bear no fruit for the kingdom of God. Okay? So sometimes we have skipped a couple of steps, right? We, we, we start talking about bearing fruit. We start talking about doing, 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 being productive, uh, you know, getting involved in ministry, serving. But we missed out these first two steps of coming back and recognizing who you are, your identity, 
and then coming and allowing the renewal work to happen. Before these first two steps can happen in our lives, there can be no fruit born for the kingdom of God, right? Or, or maybe I would say there can be no lasting fruit, okay? There can be no lasting fruit born for the kingdom of God, okay? Point number three for today. The Holy Spirit wants to help us align our lives with, with God's purposes. Philippians 2 verses 12 and 13 tells us this. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill what? His good purpose, right? So the Holy Spirit wants us to come into alignment, right? So God, the Holy Spirit, is working in us so that we can uh, now will and act in order to fulfill the purposes of God in our lives, right? So Pastor Stephen spoke about this a little bit last week. He mentioned my favorite verse, right? Remember? What's my favorite verse? Yeah? For we are God's workmanship, right? Masterpiece. Created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God has already prepared for us before time, right? So before you were born, God already knew what you were, you and you were supposed to be. And so He already has ordained your life, your calling, your purposes, right? And, um, and so we need to reach that point, right, um, where we really hunger and, and thirst to know the will of God in our lives. So again, going back to my own life story, remember I told you I had, I had backslidden, I had been in the wilderness, I had wanted to give up my faith, and then God brought me back by His grace, He showed me my identity in Christ, He started to help me embrace my identity, then He started to take me through that process of renewal, showing me what needs to be dealt with in my life, right? It was a painful process. Then the next step was this, the Holy Spirit started to show me that He wanted to use me, right? Okay, so that's the natural sequence. And then He started to show that He had a specific plan for my life. Tell your neighbor that God has a specific plan for your life. God has a very specific plan for your life. Yeah, use the word very, very, okay? God has a very, 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 very specific plan for your life, right? And He wants to use you, Right? And so, church, you may not have reached the point where you have identified God's purpose for your life. And I don't want you to worry about it. Don't feel like, are you so how now? So difficult, right? <laughs> it, is, it is not easy because it's a journey, right? It's a journey we all take. But that journey happens only when you step out and you ask God to come and show you. It sounds simple, right? <laughs> okay? But how many of you have actually told God, God, I surrender my own dreams, my own ways, my own plans, and now would you come and show me what you want me to do? How many of you have done that? Ajit, very good. Who else? Nobody. Uh, cannot be right. I want to see a show of hands. How many? Okay, so we have a few hands going up. So what the rest of you, perhaps... And again, there is no condemnation, there is no guilt, there is no shame. That's not what uh, the Holy Spirit wants to do. But if you have not done that, right, it is time you start to do that because that is what transformed my whole walk with, 
um, my whole walk with, uh, with God, it became so much more exciting, church, right? When I started to recognize that, hey, as a masterpiece of God, I have a very specific purpose, a very specific role that He wants me to play. It became so exciting, right? Because now I, I have purpose in my life. It's no more about me, bangun pagi, gosok gigi, cuci muka, right? Uh, what else? Huh? What's the song? Makan roti, yeah. <laughs> Makan roti, right? It's no more, no more about that. And then, ayo, I have to pull myself to work. I have to, go, I, have to, I have to drag myself through the week. And then when Friday comes, yay, it's Friday, right? How many, how many of you are going through this? It's not about that anymore, right? So it becomes exciting because now, now your life has purpose, okay? And, um, and so I, I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you, right? As you start to internalize what Jesus has done for you and the real reason why Jesus has come, then when you are able to do that, when you're able to recognize that, you would start to realize that your life is so much more than just going through your daily routines, okay? Jesus came to restore God's kingdom on earth, right? If you see throughout the Gospels, this is what he preached. He says, uh, you know, he says that the kingdom of God is at hand and he asked the disciples, the apostles to go and preach that the kingdom of God was at hand, okay? And on that cross, when, when he died and when he rose again, Jesus gave me the privilege of becoming the a child of God, right? Gave you the privilege of becoming a child of God and a co-heir with Him. And through His death and resurrection, Jesus has now defeated the power of sin and death. And we also see, church, this is, this is crucial, to, crucial to this point. In the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus gave up His free will, right? He gave up His free will. And He chose God's will in the end, he chose God's purposes. He, he gave up his free will. He, he told the Father, Father, not your will, not my will, but your will be done. Amen? Not my will, but your will be done. You know, he was betrayed. He was slandered. He was mocked. He was abused. He was battered. He was shamed. He was abandoned for you and I. Not so we can take it lightly and continue to live the lives that we want to live for ourselves and, and, and continue to hold on to the dreams that we want for ourselves. If we continue to do this, church, we have not fully grasped the real reason of why Jesus Christ came and died for us. Right? Jesus didn't just come to die so that one day you and I can go to heaven. Are you following me? Right? That's not the, the reason why He came and died for us. Jesus came and He died and He rose again so that the kingdom of God could be restored. And the kingdom of God can only be restored if every one of us comes into uh, this place of recognizing that we have a God-ordained purpose for our lives and God wants to use you and use me to fulfill that purpose so that the kingdom of God can be restored on earth as it is in heaven. Amen? Right? And so Jesus has shown us by his example of how it should be, of saying, Not my will, but your will be done. And this, this is a prayer I make regularly. 
I tell God, not my will, but your will be done in my life. Right? In these last few years, will it open up doors of challenges and trials? Yes, we'll come to that shortly. Right? And this is perhaps the reason why many of you haven't reached that point of, of wanting to, to make that prayer, right? But the Holy Spirit is blowing fresh wind this morning and He's calling each of you right now where you are seated. He's calling you to align your heart with God's purposes for your life. This morning. It's a challenge to each of you. Let's move on to point number four. The Holy Spirit helps us embrace the trials and suffering that comes with our obedience to God's call, okay? We see how Jesus himself shares um, how trials and sufferings are unavoidable, right? To the church of Smyrna in Revelations 2.10, what, what, what did Jesus say? Do not be afraid of what you are about to suffer. Can you see that? This is Jesus himself telling the church, right? Do not be afraid of what you are about to suffer. I tell you, the devil will put some of you in prison to test you. And you will suffer persecution for 10 days. Be faithful even to the point of death and I will give you life as your victor's crown. In John 15, verses 18 to 20, Jesus says this again. If the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own, right? As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. And that is why the world hates you. Remember what I told you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. And so in today's day and time, we have a Christianity which teaches us to seek for blessing as much and as much as possible to avoid suffering, right? But church, I want you to know that this wasn't something new, okay? It's not something new because it even happened in the time of uh, the early church. Okay, let's go to Acts chapter 21, right? Acts chapter 21, we see that the Apostle Paul was going to go, go, go back to Jerusalem, right? And so uh, the, there were prophets there, and as people prayed, they already saw the kind of suffering that he was going to go through, right? And this is what, this is what uh, was written in, in Acts 21, verse 10 to 14. After we had been there a number of days, a prophet named Agabus came down from Judea. Coming over to us, he took Paul's belt, tied, it, uh, tied his own hands and feet with it and said, the Holy Spirit says, in this way, the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem will bind the owner of this belt and will hand him over to the Gentiles. And when he heard this, we, we the people, pleaded with Paul not to go to Jerusalem. Can you see that? Right? Because they, the prophecy had come, Paul was going to suffer terrible things as he continued being obedient to God. And so as they saw the prophecy, what, what did they tell him? Oh, don't go, Paul, right? You know, you're going to suffer. You're going to face so many trials. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. Just don't do it. You know, you shouldn't go, right? This is what they tried to tell him. But what did Paul say? What did Paul say? Paul answered, Why are you weeping and breaking my heart? I'm ready not only to be bound, but also to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And when he, he would not be dissuaded, we gave up and said, the Lord's will be done, right? So, church, I'm not here to uh, 
again put condemnation or guilt to us because we know that these feelings, uh, these feelings alone are not wrong, right? Hello? Okay? <laughs> I'm not here to make you feel guilty. These feelings, these feelings alone are not wrong. Jesus himself in the Garden of Gethsemane, what did he say? Right? If it is possible, please take this cup of suffering away from me, right? Didn't Jesus say that? Right? But then, what happens next is important, church. Are you following me? Right? What happens next is important. Even though we have these feelings of fear, these feelings of, of uh, you know, I, I, it's going to be too much. But at the end of the day, like Jesus, we have to come to the foot of the cross and say, God, not my will, but your will be done. Amen? And that is the call of every Christian, right? In Luke 9, 23, Jesus, and I'm going to end this point with this. Jesus says, he looked at his disciples and he tells them, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. Right? You know, this is something that I have, I've struggled with this last decade, this last 10 years. Surrendering my own will. But God has been gracious. Slowly, bit by bit, He has been helping me come into alignment. Right? But it has to start with us coming to a point where we say, God, it is difficult. I know it's not easy. But God, I'm willing to try. And with Your help, I can. Right? With the help of the Holy Spirit, with the help of His empowerment, with His grace, you and I can. The Bible says His grace is sufficient for us, right? His power is made perfect in our weakness. So no matter what you are going through, if you have recognized that God has called you to a specific thing, and if you have been running away from God, like Pastor Stephen said last week, he was running from God for a very long time, right? Before God finally caught up with him. Today, I want you to know that God wants to use you in greater ways. Are you ready to make that, uh, that, that, that commitment to Him, right? Are you ready to say, yes, Jesus, I'm your disciple. I want to pick up my cross and follow you, okay? Point number five, our last point. The Holy Spirit helps us keep our eyes fixed on eternity. Now, this is important, right? This is important because at the end of the day, the, as long as our eyes are fixed on earthly things, we will not be able to finish the race well, okay? So it's not just about starting. Many of us start, start well, right? Many of us are excited in a season and then, you know, we, we get all geared up and riled up uh, and, uh, you know, we, we tell God, yes, we want to serve you and then God shows us and maybe we even get our foot in. But after a while, because we lose focus on what really matters, right? We get sidetracked, we get distracted. You saw that happening in the seven churches as well, right? Okay, they got distracted, then compromise came in. So the Holy Spirit helps us to fix our eyes on eternity. Even Jesus himself was empowered by the Holy Spirit, right? Uh, to look at his eternal reward. What was Jesus' eternal reward? Who can tell me? What does the Bible say? For the joy set before him, this is in Hebrews, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. What was the joy set before him? You and I. Hello, church. <laughs> you and I, we were the joy set before him, right? We are his rewards, right? 
as we become children of God, as, as we get restored into this relationship with God, this was what the Bible was speaking about when the Bible says, for the joy set before Him, He endured the cross, shaming its shame. So Jesus had His eyes on, on, on eternity, okay? And, um, and, and so we want to ask ourselves this question this morning as we close. What is it that brings you the most joy? Now, so these are questions that I want you to challenge yourself with, okay? Please take some moment to ponder. What is it that brings you the most joy? Is it something from this world? Is it your possessions? Your family? Your accomplishments? What brings you the most joy? Dig deep, dig deep. This question requires us to dig deep, right? What brings us the most joy? There are two keys I've personally learned about how I can be more eternally focused, right? Number one, uh, this is for me, right? This is for me. It might be different for you, okay? Number one, not having a sense of entitlement and comparing myself with others. I found that one of the biggest problems with us is that we are constantly comparing ourselves with others. We are constantly having a sense of entitlement, you know, and, and, and trying to keep, uh, keep up with the standards of the world, right? So that's number one. Number two, learning to be thankful and content, right? And then this allows me to become a channel of blessing to others. 1 Timothy 6 tells us this, but godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it. And that's the eternal perspective that we need to have, right? And the Holy Spirit helps us to have that perspective. For we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it. So that's why I ask you that question, what brings you the most joy? If what brings us the most joy is something material, something temporal, and then we need to ask God to come and help us, right? We need to ask God to come and help us, help us to shift our perspective on what is eternal. Lost souls, people who are suffering without Jesus Christ, people who need an encounter with the Savior, people who need to come back into God's arms to, to receive healing, to receive, uh, to, to receive the love of God, right? At the end of the day, these are the eternal things which the Holy Spirit wants to help us to shift our focus onto. And and some, to some of us, we feel ayos like that because we, we have not reached that point where these things bring us joy, right? Are you following me, church? That's, what, that's why I asked that question of what brings you joy. We need to have the deep joy when we see someone being saved. We need to have the deep joy when we see someone having that encounter with Jesus or someone's uh, a broken marriage being restored or, or, or you know, uh, a broken relationship being restored. We need to have the deep joy and these are the things that matter to God, right? And to sum it all, that's why the Bible tells us in Matthew 6.33, seek first God's kingdom and His righteousness. So my question to, to myself and also to you is where are we this morning with our relationship with God? Where are we this morning with our relationship with God? Shall we arise as we close? Can I have the keyboardist here? Perhaps church this morning, you're someone 
who is struggling with your identity as a child of God. Like me, more than 10 years ago, I struggled with my identity as a child of God. I felt that I was not good enough. I felt that, uh, you know, I could never... I could never do enough to get God's love or to get God to love me, right? I just felt that no matter what I did, I didn't belong to the, to, to the family of God. If you are someone like that today, I want you to know this. The Bible tells us that God has loved you with an everlasting love. And nothing can separate you from the love of Christ Jesus. If you are someone who is struggling with issues of sin, issues of bondages and guilt and shame and condemnation. Today, God says, just as Jesus said it 2,000 years ago, it is finished. It is finished. There is no condemnation in Christ Jesus, the Word of God tells us. As you come into alignment with Him today, as you come and tell Him, God, I cannot, but I know you can because Jesus, you have already done it. You have died and you have rose again, you have defeated that, you have defeated sin, you have defeated the power of the enemy. And as I surrender to you, Lord, I know that you are going to come and empower me because that's what your word promises. I promise you, my dear brother and sister, that God will come and meet you where your need is this morning. Don't continue down this road of, of struggling by yourself, of trying by yourself, of, of, of going through circles of defeat and, 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 just not, and just hitting the wall and saying that you know, you're going to keep trying again and again by yourself because it is not about what you and I can do because we can never do anything because Jesus Christ Himself has done it all. Amen? It is already finished on that cross. Perhaps you are someone this morning, you are struggling to find God's purpose for your life. This morning, the Holy Spirit invites you to take that step forward and to say, God, I'm taking this first step. God, I know that I'm your masterpiece. I know that you have good plans for me. I know that you want to use me, God. Lord, I, I see myself and, and I don't think I have much to offer, but you know what, child of God, the Holy Spirit says it's not about you. It's not about what you have to offer, but it is about what I see in you. Because God sees you as a masterpiece and He has already given you every single spiritual gift and everything that you need to fulfill His call for your life. Amen? All it requires us is to say no to our own dreams, our own lives, and step forward and say yes to God's, God's dreams for you. And lastly, Perhaps you're someone who is struggling to surrender because you have a fear of losing control. Losing control of your life. Fear of suffering. Fear of the pain that you need to endure. You know, this season, church, um, as I pressed in, the last few years have been challenging for me, right? Some of you know I shared my story with you of how I went through a lot of issues at work and... Um, and last year, my wife, Chu Chin, she, she got cancer. We praise God, she's fully healed right now. By the grace of God, she's fully healed, right? And, and so some people came to me and said that, you know, uh, it's because you are in this ministry of deliverance, this ministry of uh, healing and deliverance, and, you know, you are, uh, you, you, you are inviting spiritual warfare into your life. And when you hear these kind of things, it's easy to, to be discouraged and say, okay, God, if that's the case, I'll take a step back. But no, at the end of the day, as I look at the cross and I see Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, 
I am moved within me to say, God, regardless of what it costs, regardless of what happens, regardless of, of, of what pain I need to go through, what trials I need to go through, God, I will choose you. I will choose what you have called over me. I will choose your purpose for my life. And Lord, I fully surrender to you. And church, that is the call of a Christian, to pick up the cross and follow Jesus regardless of what it, what it takes us because that is what Jesus requires. He says, if you want to be my disciple, this is what you need to do. So this morning, church, I want to invite you to come and surrender your circumstance to God, regardless of what you're going through. He wants to bring realignment to our hearts this morning. He wants to set us free from the bondages and fears that, that we have in our lives. Jesus can do it. Hallelujah. Jesus can do it, church. Hallelujah. And He wants to do it today. That's, that's the best part. And He invites you today. Would you just raise your hands as we close in prayer? Because God is going to do amazing things through, the, through us, through our lives, in our families, and in this church. Hallelujah. Father, I thank you so much, Lord. You see your children here with your hands raised. You see, God, the struggles, the fears, the bondages, the, Lord, the, the condition of our hearts, God. And you want to bring renewal. You want to bring restoration. You want us to come into alignment with you this morning. Father, I pray for my brothers and sisters. I pray, God, that right now, wherever they are, Lord, that you would meet their need, that you would encounter them, that you would come and pour out your Holy Spirit in them, that you would come and help them, Lord, to just know how much you love them, oh God, and the good plans you have for their lives, the plans to use them greatly for the furtherance of your kingdom. Father, for those who are going through struggles, Lord, of fear, of bondages, Father, we thank you that your word promises that your divine power has given us everything that we need everything that we need to live a godly life, that we can become partakers of the divine nature of God. And today, in the name of Jesus, we break every bondage, we break every stronghold. And, we, and I declare right now that the power of God is upon you. As you receive this power of God, you will encounter Him in new ways. You would encounter the presence of God, the renewal of God, the love of God, and He's going to take you to new heights. Father, I thank you, Lord. I thank you for what you're doing, Lord, even right now. Holy Spirit, thank you, Lord. Father, as we go into the week and into the months and years ahead, I pray, God, that every one of us would come into not just a momentary encounter with you, but a life-transforming encounter. One that would help us embrace our calling and destiny. One that would, that would propel us forward into, into the purpose that you have for our lives. That all of us can bear fruit for the kingdom of God. And none of us will be left out, Lord. I thank you, Father. For those who have yet to have a personal relationship with, with, with you, Lord. Today, I pray that you open up their hearts to receive this personal relationship with you. Help them to see a need to come into this relationship with you, Jesus. Help them to see, Jesus, that on that cross, you died for their sins. And you are inviting them to come and surrender fully to you. Thank you, Lord. I praise you, Lord. And now to Him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to, and to present you before His glorious presence without fall and with great joy, to the only God, our Savior, be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ, our Lord, before all ages, now and forevermore. Amen and amen and amen.